0: We're going to continue this morning. This is the second week of this series called The Long Haul. And really what we're looking at um, in this series is how do we stay in the faith for the long haul? How do we complete the mission of God um, in our lives? How do we get to the end of our lives and not having wasted any potential that God's given us for his kingdom? How do we walk in the power of this relationship with Jesus every day? And and so we're going to be looking at this for uh, today and then another couple of weeks ahead. Uh, Today, I really want us to spend time looking at John chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, um, John chapter 9. We're actually going to begin reading in verse 13, but I want to set this up for you before we start reading. So Jesus is traveling along, and he and his disciples come to a place where they encounter this blind man. And it tells us that this blind man has been blind since birth. So he was born blind. Um, And so his disciples ask him, you know, who, who sin? Was it his, was it him? Was it his parents? As in Jewish tradition, if someone was born blind, if somebody was blind, if something bad happened, they usually attributed it to some type of sin. You did something to, to cause this to happen to you, right? And Jesus looks at him and he says, look, neither this man nor his mother or father sinned. And, and of course, he's not saying they're sinless, but he's saying this was not due to sin. In fact, he says this was due So this happens so that the glory of God could be seen. And Jesus goes over to this man and it seems a little odd, but he actually spits and takes some dirt and he rubs it together to make mud and he puts it on this man's eyes and he tells him to go to the pool of Siloam and to wash his eyes. And when he goes to the pool and he washes his eyes, he's able to see. And so he comes back seeing And the people are amazed, the people of the community look at him and they're like, we know this is the guy who couldn't see, but maybe it's not him. Maybe it's somebody that just resembles him. Maybe it's somebody that just has, you know, really close resemblance and it's not really him. And so they are going to carry him, not maliciously, but just to verify with their religious leaders what just happened and what, what, what is God doing in this? And so they take him to the Pharisees, who were uh, one group of the religious leaders of that day in the Jewish culture. And so they're wanting to just know, like, help us understand this. Help us comprehend this. Explain this to us. How did this happen? If this is really this guy, how did this happen? And so we're going to pick up in verse 13. It says, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And this is really important for us because it shows us how skewed their understanding of God was. It was the Sabbath, and Jesus did at least two things that they were commanded not to do on the Sabbath. One of those things was to heal someone. The only way you were supposed to heal someone on the Sabbath was if it was life-threatening. Otherwise, you couldn't heal anybody right? The other thing was they had a law, and this was a verbal law. This is not the Ten Commandments. This is a verbal law that they had added into their tradition that you could not need bread. You could not need anything, like make bread, knead it together, right? And so they saw in Jesus taking the saliva and taking the dirt and making mud as him kneading something. And so now they see Jesus as having broken two laws on the Sabbath, so he is obviously A sinner. And so we keep reading. It says this. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, had he received his sight? Or how he received his sight? He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I watched and now I see. For this guy, it's just simple. He's like, I don't know. This guy put some mud on my eyes. I went and did what he said. Now I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What did you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. When they had asked the first time, the people had asked him, he said, it was the man they called Jesus. Now they say, what do you say about him? Who, who is he? And he says, he is a prophet. He's someone sent by God. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? And then his parents kind of just throw him under the bus, not not even kidding. They just kind of like put it back on him. And so this is what they say. We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. And then they look at him and go, Ask him. He's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, the anointed one that was to come, would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And so they're fearful for getting rejected by this religious community. And so they're putting it back on him and saying, look, you just ask him. He's older than 13, which was kind of the age of responsibility for them. And he says, you ask him, he can tell you we're not getting in trouble. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. They say, give glory to God by telling the truth. And in this, they're not saying give glory to God because now you can see and you were blind before. They're saying, tell the truth and and in that way glorify God because we know you're lying. And so he said, give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, and I love this. And this is the part where God started really grabbing my heart this week. He said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And you look at this, it's so powerful, it's so incredible. It's so simple for this man. I don't know any, anything really other than this man put mud on my eyes. I know that I was blind. I know that now I see. Then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And I love this guy right here. He's so witty. He's so sharp. He's so quick. "He says he, it says he answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? do you want to become his disciples too? They hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples? We're disciples of Moses. Instead of saying, look, we follow Moses. This is who we follow, and yet you follow this guy? And they say this. They say, we know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And this is a truth. But the bigger truth in this is not where he came from geographically, whether it was that he came from Nazareth, whether he was born in Bethlehem. The issue for them is they don't realize where he came from in the fact that he came from heaven. It's amazing that they could quote most of the Old Testament, and yet they couldn't see the one who was the fulfillment of the Old Testament standing in front of them. It was a warning to us that you can know all the Bible you want to know, but if you don't know him, you've got nothing. So they hurled insults. The man answered, He's bold. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Listen, this is the part that really grabbed. This is the part that when I read this, I knew this is what God wanted me to talk about. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? When he found him. Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. Remember, he had not seen Jesus at this point. He had sent him away to go wash. He had not seen his face. He says, you have now seen him. You were blind, but now you are seeing the face of Christ. You're seeing the face of the anointed one. The son of man was a way of saying that he was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who had come to save. And now you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The word literally means that he got on his face at Jesus' feet. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who are blind or those who see will become blind. And in that, what he's saying is listen and understand. He's saying, look. I came into this world for those who realize they need a Savior. I came into this world for those who understand that they are sick in their sin. He's saying, I came into this world not for those who think they have it all together. He's saying, I came into this world to save sinners. Let's pray, God. I thank you for the truth that is in your word. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love for us. God, we worship you. We praise you. We give you all honor. God, I pray that every heart in here today would could receive, including mine, God, could receive this good word that is yours. God, that we could see this example of this blind man, that he was born blind, God, and that we could see in ourselves our spiritual blindness. And that today, if anyone in here has not seen the face of Christ and understood who you are, God, that your spirit would open their eyes to see and that all of our hearts would be stirred and would be set on fire by your spirit today. God, make us more and more aware of your presence, and let us know, God, more and more of who you are and just to know you in a greater way, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, this weekend, I had an opportunity to go with some friends up to this place where it's like a uh, hunting lodge, and so you go up there, and, and you can hunt hogs. You can shoot pheasants. You can do all kinds of different things, and so the, the afternoon that we were there, um, we went to go shoot hawks, and so I uh, ended up riding on the back of a golf cart with this guy who he is from North Carolina, but he was there just to film some of the hunts. And so I get to talking to him, and he and some of his buddies have have started this um, uh, I guess like a business where they're actually filming some things for some of the hunting channels and stuff like that. It was really cool, and so. He's like, tonight, later, I got to talking about tracking deer. We were just talking about hunting, all kinds of stuff. And so he was like, well, tonight, later, we may, may video or, or record a podcast if we do, would you like to be on it and talk about some of these things? Ended up not recording it, but he was like, if you do, would you like to be on it and record some of the things and some of the stories about tracking deer and that kind of thing? I was like, man, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'd love to. He goes, last year we did this while we were here. We got like two hours of of perfect footage. It was awesome. And then some guy was, was drinking too much and he comes in and he just like ruined the whole thing. And so he's like, we, we really, on this podcast, we try not to cuss a lot, just so you know. Like, we, we try not to, you know, try to keep it kind of clean. And so, just so you know, we try not to cuss a lot. And I'm like, well, I'm a pastor, so I try, I try not to do that, too. Um, and so, he was like, uh, oh, okay. And, um, and, and so, he was like, well, I'm worried. You can almost see this, like, shame, right? Like, well, I'm working on it, man. I, I mean, I know. I, I'm like, dude, it's cool. It's cool, right? Like, like you're not going to say anything I haven't heard, and you're not going to say anything I haven't said, right? And so I'm like, it's fine. I'm not, oh, he's like, well, when I grew up, man, everybody went to this one church, but it was like, if you didn't look the same, if you didn't wear the same clothes, if you didn't know the lingo, in other words, if you couldn't fake it, you didn't fit in. And so he and I started talking about church. We started talking about God, started talking about just why we started this church. It was for people like that, like him, who didn't feel that they fit in anywhere. I told him, like, I could relate to that because growing up when I would go to church or even in my teens when I started going to church with my girlfriend who became my wife, I never felt like I fit in. I didn't feel like I had the right clothes. I didn't feel like I was good enough. I didn't feel like I was one of them. I, didn't know, I just didn't know how to fake it well enough, right? And so here's the reality of this. We're we're talking through all of this and talking about this. And it made me think about the Pharisees. It made me think about the Pharisees who rejected this man. And they didn't reject him because he had done anything wrong. They rejected him because he had been blind and now he could see. And all he was doing was telling the truth about what happened to him. And I started looking at this and started realizing that this has been many people's experience in church. In fact, many of you, if you've grown up in church or even attended church for any extended period of time, you've probably got your bad church story, right? You've got that thing that it just wasn't right. Somebody stole money, somebody had an affair, somebody, you know, um, uh, judged you or somebody did whatever, whatever, whatever. And, And we have these stories and we have these hurts and we have these wounds. And we see this guy who was, who was blind, and now he can see And instead of it being a celebration, these people are so stuck in tradition and religion that they don't even celebrate it. They just look for a reason to condemn Jesus and to condemn this man. and they reject him, and they throw him out of the synagogue, which was a really big deal, because this was not just you know, getting kicked out of a church, when you go to another church, this was getting kicked out of his community. It was bigger. Here, if somebody makes you mad, you got another 130 churches you can go to. But for him, this was was a big deal. It's why his parents were so afraid. Like, if we tell the truth about who healed him and what really happened, like, we don't want to get kicked out of the community. We don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be put out. And so we see Jesus' heart in this. And we see Jesus come to this man and, and heal him. But we see the Pharisees. The Pharisees are intimidated. They're scared because Jesus is a threat to their way of life. He's a threat to their status. He's a threat to their prestige. I don't know about y'all, but like there comes this point in life for y'all. Some of y'all are too young probably to understand this. There comes this point in life where maybe when you were younger, you kind of thought you were like cool. I don't think I was ever the cool kid. But you kind of thought you were, and then you get to this point in life and age where you realize no chance. No chance anymore. And you realize your existence is simply to embarrass yourself and embarrass your children. That's the only reason you exist. And you become good at it. You become good at being dad, right? And I feel like that a lot. I embarrass myself a lot. But for these Pharisees, I kind of feel that way for them. They're coming to this place where they're realizing, like, who we are is being threatened. We've always been the ones that they've looked to, and now they're starting to look to this man called Jesus. And their minds are so closed to this, their minds are so selfish, their hearts are so selfish that they're looking at themselves and they won't look at the one who's standing in front of them. They won't even look back at the scriptures that they've been taught that tell us that the Messiah would come and open the eyes of the blind. And so they're missing it. But here's the thing in Israel I want to take it back to. It's the very beginning. This man was born blind. I want you to understand this so were we. You may not have been born physically blind, but every single person in this room was born spiritually blind. Every single person in this room was born spiritually dead. Every single person in this room was born sinful with a sinful nature. We inherited that from our great, 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 way back grandparents, Adam and Eve. And every single one of us were born with a sinful nature. And so everything we see in Scripture right here with this man that was born blind, it points to us spiritually. It points to the fact that we were born we couldn't see. It points to the fact that we were born we were blind. It points to the fact that we were born we were spiritually dead. And it points to the fact that we need someone to open our eyes. And when Jesus came into the world, that's what he came for. One of the things he came for was to open the eyes of the blind. He came into a dark world as the light of the world so that he could illuminate not just the earth, the sun illuminates the earth, right? Light bulbs now illuminate the earth. But what Jesus came to illuminate is our heart. He came to, to illuminate our heart where we could truly see to no longer be spiritually blind, to no longer be spiritually dead, to no longer walk in sin, but to have that sin taken away. And yet sometimes for us, for many people, we still haven't seen that. And we've heard the word and we've heard the scriptures and we've been in church and we've had experiences that that have kind of taught us a skewed version of the gospel. But what we have to understand is that Jesus loved this man so much that he didn't just heal his eyes. He healed his heart and he healed his soul. And when everybody else rejected him, Jesus went and found him. See, nobody in here, nobody in here, Jesus is not like loved by Christ, right? And we hear this, we hear this. Jesus died for your sin too. And we look at it as levels of sin. Some of y'all have done some stuff, Right? But we, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And here's the thing I can tell you if you're just religious like these Pharisees, if you just know the Bible, if you just go to church, if you just say the right things, if you just put on the right mask, if you're just one person on Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes and another person the rest of the week, and there's no love and no desire for Jesus, you know what that is? That's not you in relationship with Christ and spending eternity with Jesus. That's your key to the gate to hell. That's what that is. And Jesus doesn't call us to some dead religious activities. He calls us to life. I love John 10.10. He talks about these Pharisees. Then he goes on and talks about the good shepherd, and he says, I am the good shepherd. He says, but these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they're thieves. They come and they kill and they steal and they destroy what God wants you to have. They don't lead you to God. They lead you to rules, and they lead you to all this stuff that just leaves you dead and blind. And I love the way it's phrased in the NIV. It says that Jesus came to give us life and give it to the full. Jesus doesn't just come to save us. He doesn't just come to give us a path to heaven. Jesus comes to give us a fullness of life. He calls us to live in the fullness of who he is. He didn't just open this man's eyes, but he gave him a new life. He didn't just give him physical sight, he took away his sin when he went to the cross. And see, here's the thing. It wasn't just for this guy. It wasn't just a little bit of sin. We always hear people say this, and it's true, but it's like if you were the only person on earth, Jesus would have still died for you. It's one of those things we say as Christians, right? And it's true. But here's the reality. You're not the only person on earth, right? So here's the reality. Jesus didn't just die for a little bit of sin. He died for every sin that's ever been committed. He died for the sin that's being committed right now, and he died for every sin that will ever be committed. That's a lot of sin that was placed upon Jesus when he went to the cross. That's why a lot of wrath fell upon Jesus when he went to the cross. All of God's wrath towards evil, and he wouldn't be a good God if he didn't punish evil. All of God's wrath towards evil fell upon Jesus. Jesus because he lifted off our sin, put it upon himself. And now he gives us the offer of righteousness because he was willing to become unrighteous for us. So the righteous one became unrighteous so we could be righteous. And now we can be right with God. Not because of all the good things I can do, but because Jesus opens my eyes through the work of the Holy Spirit. And now I can see clearly who he is. And now I've come to a point where I understand him. And a reasonable response when my eyes are open to see who Christ is is for me to do what this man did, to fall on my face, to, to, to get on my face in worship, to bow at his feet, to do what the apostle John did, to almost like we fall at his feet as though we were dead in worship when we see the glorified Christ. But one of two things is happening in the church, either people aren't seeing or it's growing numb to our ears and it's dulling our heart because it's very rare that we give Jesus, give God the praise and the worship that he deserves. And I mean, I know it's just the gospel. It's just the gospel again. He just talks about Jesus dying on the cross. Blah, 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 blah. That's the greatest news there's ever been. But our hearts and our ears have grown dull. It's just ho-hum. Jesus died on the cross. He became a curse so I could be blessed. Ho-hum. Oh, he died so I could live. Ho-hum. He went in the grave so that I could just not have to live in the grave. I could be resurrected. I could have a promise of life. Hey, Ho-hum. I have a relationship with the Father that no one can take away from me. So man, no matter what happens to me today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, my future is secure. Ho-hum. And we just look at it in the Instead of bringing us to a place of worship, instead of it bringing us to a place of giving God what He deserves, we just look at it as it's just what it is. You know, I've heard about it, or whatever, whatever. And today, we're, we're being called to, to, to worship. Every day when we see Christ, it's a call to worship. And I think about this. I think about this this man who had never seen the one who healed him, and yet he comes to this place where he stands before Jesus, and he looks into the face of Jesus, and he sees spiritually who Jesus is. I would challenge you today to ask yourself, have I seen spiritually? Have my eyes been opened? Our eyes are open when the gospel is preached, and the Spirit of God works through His Word. And the light of the world illuminates our heart and our eyes are open. And the spirit of God gives us a new heart. And by God's grace, he takes away our sin and he gives us his ability to accomplish his purposes. And he calls us to this eternal relationship. And eternity doesn't stop when we take our last breath. Eternity starts the moment we know the father. And this is what keeps us in it for the long haul. But he calls us to fullness. Fullness. I want you to think about this because this is enough to bring us to worship. I want you to think about this. How had this blind man, not physically, he's blind, but how would this blind man mentally and emotionally seen himself all of his life? How would he seen himself? He would have seen himself as a beggar. That's the only way he could get something. So the whole community walked by him all of his life and they saw him and they said, there's the beggar. There's the blind man. There's that poor boy that was born blind. He hadn't been able to see all his life. Now he's a grown man. He's having to sit over here begging. He was seen as the beggar. He was seen as the the blind man, the blind guy. He's been blind since birth. He was seen as not very intelligent. He was uneducated. He didn't understand a lot of what the Pharisees were even saying. When Jesus called himself the son of man, he was telling him, I'm the Messiah. goes all the way back to the Old Testament he didn't understand everything but what he understood was that he was once blind and now he could see it's just factual for him this guy was a beggar he saw himself as blind he saw himself as not that smart not that intelligent and now he sees himself as rejected I just got kicked out of my own community I just got ostracized I just got excommunicated from the people of God And yet Jesus comes and he gives him an entirely new life. And he calls us to live in the fullness of that life. And here's my heart for you today. One is that if your eyes have never been opened to see Jesus, that they would be open. But two, that you can begin to see yourself in the new life that God's given you and not in the old life. That you would experience the life Jesus gives to the full to the fullness of Christ. Because if you can begin to believe you are who Jesus says you are, then you can begin to live as Jesus desires you to live. As your thinking changes, so does your decisions. And as your decisions change, so does the way you live your life. That's why Paul said that our minds are transformed by being renewed. Our lives are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we look at this, and this is what Jesus is doing. This is what Jesus desires for us. is to know him, to see him, to worship him. Not to go through life in darkness, but to have our hearts illuminated. To see clearly who he is. To break free from this religious yoke. To break free from who the world's defined us as. And to come into the fullness of Christ, that he changes the way we see, that we no longer see through the same lens. But now we see Jesus, we see God, and we see ourselves differently. We begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, and we're able to walk in the fullness of that. And I really believe this today. There are people in this room who your eyes, listen, maybe before today your eyes were never open to who Jesus is, right? And maybe, maybe for you today it becomes this pro- progress. It's been a progress for you. It's been a process for you where you, you, you knew of Jesus' name then maybe there's this next step where you start recognizing and realizing, well, maybe there is more to this man called Jesus. And then maybe today's the day that it kind of clicks in your heart and you actually say, man, I recognize that he is the Son of Man. He is the Messiah. He is the one who came to save. He is the one who gives life. He is the one who gives sight to the blind and brings the spiritually dead to life. And maybe it's just been this process for you of coming to this place, of realizing who Jesus is. But for some of us in here today, it's almost like it's not like we're blind, it's like our eyes have been glazed over by the busyness of the world, by just going through the acts of Christianity. And you've seen, and your heart was once on fire, But it's starting to grow cold. And this morning, my heart for you and for me is that it would become a blazing fire again. That we would worship again. That we would worship out of a true heart for God. That our lives would once again become this place where we see him and we are amazed at him again. We are amazed at what he's done again. And I want this so badly for you if your heart's grown cold towards the Lord. I want this so badly for you. I want this so badly for me that my heart would be on fire again. I don't want us to go through the motions. I don't want it to be something that is drudgery. I want you to know the excitement of Jesus. I want you to know the power of what it is to worship Christ, the power of what it is to be in his presence, the joy of fulfilling his purpose, And today, man look here's here's opportunity for you. if you've never had your eyes open, you never you never come to this place of seeing who Jesus is and the glory in Christ, and you've never come to this place where you recognize who he is and that he is the one who gives life, but today God has done what he did for this blind man, and he opened his eyes to see not just physically, but he opened his eyes to see spiritually, and today you see who Jesus is, and you say for the first time, that's who I need. That's who I need. I need a Savior. The fact is that I know I need a Savior. The fact is I can't do it anymore. The fact is that I need Christ. The fact is that I need Jesus right now in my life then here's the thing I would say. I want, I want you to be bold. Let's don't be like the parents. Let's don't, let's don't shy away from what God calls us to. Call to be bold. And if today is your day of salvation, the day that you see and you say yes to being a worshiper, a follower of Jesus for the rest of your life, then we want to pray with you. But before we can pray with you and celebrate with you your new life in Christ, we need to know you've made that decision. And so my prayer is that we would be bold enough to say today that is me. And I'm making that decision that my life will be lived for Christ. It's the same thing we heard in this baptismal, right? And if today's the day for you of saying, my life now belongs to Jesus. My eyes have been opened. Then, what I want you to do, I want you to put your hand up in the air, not like you're scratching your ear, but way up in the air and say, today I need Christ, today I need a Savior. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Somebody come down here. Can I get a lady that would come down and pray with this young lady right here? Thank you, Kelly. Can she go pray with you real quick? Is that okay? It's the beginning of a new life, not the end of of the road. So for you today, today's the day, right? Today's the day. By the way, can we celebrate that a little bit? Dear Lord. So here's what the rest of us are going to do what I encourage you to do I can't make you do it I can't change your heart I can't open your eyes God does that but for the rest of us Rachel's going to sing a, a few lines of that last song and we're going to worship and I pray that our voices wouldn't be the only thing that are lifted up but it'll be our hearts and That we would give that to God the way he deserves it to be given to him today. That we would worship the way he deserves to be worshipped. So as we sing, man, you reflect on what God has done and let that gratitude ring out through your voice. And let's sing to him and let's praise him and let's give him the honor that he deserves.